Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Gugan Bahel. He is from Punjab, India, where he is a musician and a music therapist who works in the field of mental health, and he is also into fitness. Welcome, Gugan. Did I say that yes, okay? Almost, <laughs> almost. I'm glad to be here. Jim. Say your name. I'm down here in, in the southern United States. Say your name correctly. So everybody, I did my best. Say it for everybody. <laughs> my name is Gagan Behel. Okay. Well, I apologize no. <laughs> for, <laughs> for my accent. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you here today. And so I always like to start off by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Uh, it happened six months ago, I guess. I have been sort of a person who's always struggled with weight. So, you know, we used to have very large um, dinners, 
from you know all cousins getting together and all the family getting together and always eating was eating was the one thing that all of our family always bonded on so we used to have these lavish dinners and you know exercising or working out or keeping fit wasn't the main motive it was more about food and being and you know enjoying it so since the uh, exactly so you know the big meals the big celebrations the family all together as i so sort of came to the age of around 20 21 i guess i started to notice that i'm not as fit as you know i would have wanted myself to be you know i used to see my friends you know eating anything that they could and you know they didn't gain weight and i used to gain a lot it had sort of to do with my body type as well you know i'm the sort of person who doesn't have a very high metabolic rate and i don't lose fat that easily so i always used to be in sort of a calorie calorific deficit diet and i never used to have very positive outputs of it you know i used to lose some weight and then gain some back again so around i guess when i was 26 27 i lost around almost 20 kgs of weight and i did that you know by reducing diets as less as you know eating an apple a day and working out like so you were just like eating fewer calories it was the whole calories in calories out counting the calories and you lost about 20 kilograms at that point. Yes, it was not even like uh, you know eating less calories. I was literally starving myself at that point. Oh, okay, well, that's I, not I good. I wasn't happy. <laughs> I wasn't happy. I wasn't no. happy with it and running on the treadmill, you know, one hour, two hour as much as I could to lose as much as I can. And then whenever I used to start eating again, I used to gain right. that. Right. So you were literally eating like an apple. Like wow. Yes. An apple a day or a soup a day and then that's it. then afterwards you know i started lifting weights and i sort of my weight started to maintain there matlab it didn't used to raise a lot and i read a lot of studies where, where it said that you need to lift weights to you know lose fat as well it's not just about doing a lot of cardio so i've been into that for a very long time and i've started to maintain that weight but still i used to feel that as soon as i let go of my concern with food as let go of food even a little bit my weight again used to creep up so i started listening to one of your podcast with another lady that you used to do yep the intermittent fasting podcast with melanie yes 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 so that's when i basically found out about it ki okay this is also another way of eating which you know can be maintained as a sort of a permanent thing and when was that when did you first start listening i think it was 3 4 months ago i think 3 4 months ago before that i've heard about it but i've never really you know attempted to do it so when i heard that how you sort of get into it then i started doing it and india is that sort of a country where we keep a lot of religious fasts as well the muslim people do it a lot you know in the whole month of ramzan they keep like this 15 16 hour fast every day for that whole month in hinduism also there are a lot of fast so as uh, so i know knew the concept but i never really had attempted myself so i started doing that and initially it was of course hard because you know i was lifting weights i was going to the gym regularly and then you know being in sort of a because i couldn't eat as much calories as i want so I mostly focused on proteins so not getting a lot of food in was difficult in the start but i then started to enjoy it you know i used to feel fresh every day when i woke up and usually my window was like from 12 pm to about 
So I was doing the 16-8. So you were doing 12 p.m. You were doing an eight-hour window. How long would you say that it took you to feel like your body had adjusted? I guess two weeks. Okay. That's really good. Two weeks is a good amount of time. It takes some people a lot longer. So people that are listening, you know, don't expect that you'll feel great after two weeks, but it's great that you did. And so you felt like after two weeks that you were fully adjusted. What did you notice as you started adjusting? The first thing that I noticed was that I used to wake up very fresh. That's a good one. I used to wake up with a lot of energy and with a lot of sort of glow on my face. And I didn't used to feel lethargic. And immediately I used to go for the workout or one of my fitness classes. And I still didn't used to feel lethargic. And I'm not sort of a very heavy breakfast eater as well. So I can de- I've usually been that sort of person who used to delay breakfast otherwise also. So it wasn't that hard for me to have, you know, such cravings early up in the morning. So it was easy to shift that window. It was easy to shift it, just not eating the breakfast. You had been eating breakfast. You just stopped eating that breakfast and started your day with a workout. Yes, yes, that's what I did. And then you just waited till noon and you had your lunch. Yes, yes. You know, it sounds very simple. Uh huh. But, you know, <laughs> but immediately after a workout, sometimes, okay, you used to feel that, okay, I need to eat something now. I used to, ha- I need to have some shake or something. But on most days, yes, I was able to control it. And see, that is the thing. It is so simple. You didn't change, you know, every single thing. You weren't going back to those restrictive diets where all you had was one apple. You know, you're eating, you know, from noon until eight. And you're just pushing back your food for the day and working out in the fasted state. Now, what did you see as far as weight loss goes? I lost about six kgs of weight in about, I guess, two to three months. I wasn't particularly focused on losing weight as much as I was focusing on to have a sort of a technique in my hands, which I could sort of control this weight creeping up on me, you know, when I don't expect it. So that was the thing that I was focusing on the most. But in all of this, I found this huge control on, you know, my weight because, you know, being somebody who's always struggled with it, it's very difficult to step on that way and again, see, okay, there's another kg increase or two kg increase. So it's very struggling. And when I could have that control, you know, if I know that, okay, I've eaten today a lot, you know, there's been a party and I've eaten a lot. And the next day I can, of course, go back to my routine and control that. So I I felt very much in control with it. And, you know, that control sort of helped me, you know, get this whole new perspective about eating. See, I think that's key. You know, for the first time ever, even though you're, you're still fairly new to intermittent fasting since you've only been doing it for a few months, but you've lost six kilograms total so far, but you already feel a different level of control that you didn't feel before. I mean, that's like worth every bit of it, right? Exactly, exactly. So how much... Yeah, I know we don't want to focus on, you know, how much weight necessarily, because it's more than just that. It's the control. It's the lifestyle. How much more weight do you feel like you would like to lose at this point? Maybe two, three kgs more. I'm around, I guess I am five, seven, five, eight. And uh, on an average, I should have around 75 kgs of weight. But because I do a lot of lifting, I think around 80 would be good enough. So you really are almost there. You're not far away from your ideal. No, I feel fit. And, you know, I didn't let it creep up. That was the sort of the main key there. So I'm not very much far off. But for me, it's it's more about just losing weight with uh, fasting. It's somewhat spiritual as well in some aspects. And, you know, it's much more than just losing that fat. 
Right. So you mentioned the Hindu religion and fasting days. Are you Hindu? I am Sikh. So basically Sikh people are, they are those sort of people who live and die for food. We are all about food. Do you have fasting as part of your tradition? Not at all. <laughs> oh, okay. See, that's so interesting. Because <laughs> I know all, you mentioned the Hindu tradition had a lot of fasting in it. So you've been around people who have used fasting as part of their religion, but it has not been part of your tradition. No. No. So how about your family? What do they think about your new lifestyle? Since you said that uh, um, the sick <laughs> live and die for food, what yes. do they think about your fasting? <laughs> Initially, they were a bit concerned, you know, you won't be eating for such a long time and, you know, something might happen to you. But then when they saw that I was actually feeling more fresh and then my mom was like, okay, how do you do this? Okay, how many hours am I not supposed to eat? And I'm like, okay, try this, you know, do it at least once a week and just try to fit into it. So she does, she also does it whenever she can. Oh, that's great. That's great. I love that your mom does it now. So she thought it was crazy. And then she's like, I'm going to try it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And anybody else in your family started picking it up? No, no, no. Because uh, see, again, food is what we all live for. And uh, most of my family is, you know, fairly healthy. So they love their food and they're happy that the way they are. So I am, I don't want to get entangled with that. My mother is the one who's mostly concerned about her health the most. So she always picks up on all my dieting techniques or, you know, whatever new foods that I would, I would want to introduce to her. So she picks up picks up on that. So she's the only one who tries to follow it. Well, that's good. So I'm, it's good to hear also that your family, even though that food is central, the rest of them haven't felt the need yet to need to lose weight. So <laughs> maybe one day they'll be reaching out for this tool in their toolbox. <laughs> I sure hope so. so you mentioned that you started with an eight-hour window. Is that still what you do now? What does your routine look like now? Yes, so now it's recently what has happened is I have gained some of the weight back, but of course, most of it is muscle. Because Okay, see, that's important. Yeah. Yes. So I've sort of, you know, been in a lot of concern as to whenever I'm gaining weight, it has to be muscle because I focus on mostly proteins and fats rather than specifically just carbs taking in. And because my window is very small in terms of a person who lifts weights, so I have to uh, sort of arrange my diet according to the workout schedule. I work out specifically at that time, like around maybe 10, 3 or 11, and I have to break my fast. So that's how I sort of schedule my eating so that I can get the maximum benefit out of whatever that I'm eating. So, and there are days where I don't do fasts or there are days where I'll eat the whole week and I'll keep one day as a complete fast, just sort of for letting it all go out of my body. I don't follow only one way of fasting all the time. It's just that it depends on how my workout goes. If I know that I've worked out a lot and I would actually need food at night, so I go ahead and, you know, get on along with my regular eating habits. And then the next day when I know, okay, tomorrow is my off and then I'll keep a fast. So you really have, you mix it up based on the routine that you're doing that day. So with the days that you work out, you like to eat sooner after you work out to feed your body. And then you may have longer eating on those days. And then another day you might not fast at all. Whereas another day you may do a complete fast. Yes. Like for example, Friday is the day when I usually travel for my work. So it's like I leave at about nine and come back at around six or seven. So I prefer keeping a whole day fast 
on Friday. For example, I'll have my dinner at nine, and I'll eat the next day six or seven when I come back. So because usually when I travel, the food keeps me a bit lethargic. It keeps me a bit lazy, and I'm driving most of the time. So I try to keep like Fridays are mostly the days when I keep almost a whole day fast. So you eat dinner Friday when you get back home. Yes. Yeah, dinner. that makes it. I'm the same way. When you need to have energy and you're working and you're traveling, and the food that you get while you're out is really the kind of food that would make you lethargic. So you just wait till you get home and then you eat. And then on the day after that long fast, what do you do on Saturday? Back to the normal routine, depending upon how much I'm working out. If I'm not working out normally, I'll keep that fast. If I know I'm lifting too much, I'll not keep a fast. And, you know, the keep fast the next day when, when there's an off to sort of control that binging or, you know, the weight creeping up on me again. So intermittent fasting for me, if I say now, is that it's like one of those things that I use as an arsenal of a lot of things that I have. I think that's a great way to put it. It's in your arsenal. Yes. It's not like it's the only thing at this point, but it's become like a very, very important thing because for a person like me who has been struggling with weight a lot and, you know, we're also trying to understand his body type that I can never be that completely lean person which I initially wanted to be. That's why I used to, you know, have just an apple a day or just a soup a day. So now I've understood that, okay, now I need to be fit rather than just focusing on that lean physique. So I'll use this to, uh, you know, at times where I know that, okay, now my weight is creeping up. I need to do something about, I need to be in control. And then that's where the fasting comes in. Have you ever thought about, I don't know, I'm trying to think. You've said you will, quote, never be that lean guy what if you could, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you've only been doing this for a short time. So I bet you could be. Of course, whatever the future holds, I don't know. But at this point, I was only trying to explain what at this point it means to me, you know, or how I'm using it. Maybe it'll change in the future. Yeah. I just, I want you to visualize yourself with that goal body that you're hoping for with the, um, you know, if you can, the working out, you know, I love that you mentioned, you understand that adding muscle changes your weight, but in a good way. So like you have more muscle, which of course weighs more by volume. So you look slimmer and trimmer because you're more muscular and you have less fat. So it's great that you're keeping that in mind as your weight changes on the scale because scale weight really can confuse a lot of people when they don't understand that. So when you've been doing a lot of working out and you see that your weight is up, you know, what do you tell yourself? I think usually it's visible to me, you know, I know when I'm puffy and you know, my face is all swelled up and clothes are not fitting me right. And I just feel off. That's the days when I know that, okay, this is this is not muscle at all. This is just me bloated with a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs. And the day when I feel energetic and I feel, okay, so, you know, this shirt looks better, good on me or this pants look better on me. So that's the days when I know, okay, you know, I'm doing good. So the body keeps telling me, Day by day, okay, this is what you did yesterday and this is the result. I get all those messages from Yeah, I think that's important. I I love the message that you're saying here about listening to your body because I'm the same way. When I have, you know, when I start feeling puffy, you know, for me, it's if I drink wine every day. I've realized drinking wine every day is not the best for my body. And if I have wine every day, I do start to feel puffy. And then if I say, oh, I'm not going to have wine every day, I start to feel better. And so I can make decisions 100% based on how I'm feeling from day to day. So what foods work really well for you? And has that changed at all since you started intermittent fasting? A lot of people say that, 
when they become an intermittent faster, they find that the foods they love are different than what they used to love. Has that changed at all for you? Somewhat, yes, I would say. It's like now I'm focused more on proteins and eggs and a lot of vegetables and, you know, boiled rice and things like that, oats. I avoid wheat as much as I can. So in India, we don't have bread rolls and things like that. We have flat bread, which is like, it's basically a wheat pancake, maybe, uh, if, if I would say. So that's what we have with, uh, you know, everything with any form of curry or any form of vegetables that are cooked in some sort of an oil. So that's what we usually have. So I, I try avoiding that as much as I can. And I don't have, you know, craving for that as well. Some days I might have one or two, but it's not that I, you know, previously I used to, you know, people have like two of those in the morning, two of those in the evening, two of those at night. With all those meals, we'll have that flat bread or rice. And rice, you know, otherwise cooked without boiling, all the starch in it with them. So I try to eat boiled rice as much as I can, lots of vegetables and, uh, you know, avoiding sugar as much as I can because I'm not a, I don't have a sweet tooth that way. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> now I have a question. I'm going to go back to the rice. When you say boiled rice, I'm so interested. Does that mean like you boil it and then drain it and say so that it releases yes. the starch? Okay. That's so interesting because I have just started making my rice that way, but not because of trying to have less starch. I guess the other way would be just you put the water in and leave it in until it is absorbed and you have exactly the right amount. Okay, so you find that boiling it and then draining it has less starch in the final rice. Yes, yes. It feels less heavier. Well, that's fascinating. I actually, I got that tip. I was watching a Food Network show and I can't remember, maybe it was like the next Food Network star or something. I don't know if you have that show over there or if you get Food Network, but there was somebody and she's like, my tip is I cook rice like pasta. And I boil it and then I drain it. And so I started doing it from that point on just because it was easier. And then my rice was never weird. So I could never get the consistency right when I was trying to just put the right amount of water and the right amount of rice. I never could get it right. But when I started boiling it, it suddenly was better. So it's very interesting for you to say that that is actually a technique that you use to get some of the starch out. And now I'm going to have to go research that. <laughs> We've always been doing it. We've been doing it for a very long time. I mean, we're cooking rice. That's like the way y'all have been doing it? Yes, yes. For a very long time. Boiling it and then draining yes, it. Yes, See, yes. I, my mind is blown. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I had no idea is that maybe that is actually making the rice, you know, have a... But it makes sense because, you know, you drain the water and I can imagine the starch content going out with the water. Yes. And that way, uh, when you cook it with all the starch in they end up being a lot stickier. They, they end up being a lot heavier. And then you know, when you eat it, you don't want to eat anything else because they're otherwise so heavy. So this way, what I do is, for example, if I'm cooking chicken with rice, with the vegetables, I sprinkle some rice on top of them, like a handful or so, and then I just have a complete one. It doesn't feel that heavy. But in turn, if I have the other rice, the rice in itself is a meal. You know, having just those starchy rice. So we've been doing it for a very long time, by the way, though. Well, I'm just really excited. That's like <laughs> blown my mind here to think that, hey, my technique of boiling the rice is actually <laughs> doing something beneficial for the rice. Because, you know, we hear with starches, like, for example, rice, potatoes, we hear that if you cook them and then cool them, 
they become more resistant to digestion. They call that resistant starch. So that's, you know, that's one thing to help your body absorb less of the energy from the starch. Cook it, cool it, it changes the starch. But just the idea of draining it, making it different is very, very cool. So (laughs) tell us, you mentioned this before we actually started recording. You told me this off the air. Tell me a little bit about the working out that you like to do. You were talking about a dance, a type of dancing that you like to do. So it's basically Punjabi folk dance. It's called Bhangra. So it's actually very famous in the US. And uh, there's a very famous Bhangra team. I don't know if I can mention it here. I, I don't know. It's, it's, called Bhangra, oh, it's, it's called Bhangra Empire. So they are uh, a group of teenagers starting out with different colleges and now they've gotten together have a very huge team and they perform at NBA half times and things like that so it's basically a folk dance which was initially performed at the time of harvesting of the fields so Punjab is basically a type of a state where, where there's a lot of farming that happens here so we are like the sort of Texas of India, I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. See, that's helpful. Yes. <laughs> so we are like... Uh, and the fact that it makes sense if, if you have a farming culture. See, now everything makes sense. You have a farming culture. You have dances that celebrate the harvest. Food is a celebration. Exactly, exactly. So wherever there is a get-together, food is like the main concern of everybody. What is there to eat? And, you know, accordingly, we'll plan when, uh, when we are coming. So getting back to Bhangra, so Bhangra is like a, you know, sort of a celebration dance and it requires a lot of energy while doing it. So it's like, you must have heard of Zumba. I have heard of Zumba, yes. So, so, you know, sort of like, it's like double the energy that you would invest in Zumba. Well, that's a lot then. Uh, Yes. And it requires like, there are different steps that you have to learn. It requires a different sort of technique. And... Around 40 minutes of a very heavy Bhangra workout would burn like 300 to 400 calories. And it sounds like it's probably a lot of fun. Yes, definitely. There are a lot of smiles and a lot of energy going around. And it's always done in groups. So we have like huge Bhangra groups doing, you know, Bhangra wherever we can. So it's, it's a, you should check it out. It's quite famous in the U.S. and... Now, I would enjoy if they started having, like I was going to the Y earlier this year and they had... You know, they have the Zumba classes and they had some different dance type classes. But this sounds like a really fun one. Now, I know um, I'm going to show my American cultural ignorance here. So forgive me. You know, of course, we've all heard of Bollywood and the Bollywood style dancing. How is this similar to Bollywood? I think Bollywood is more technique and grace rather than complete energy. And Bhangra is somehow fused in Bollywood, the overall Bollywood dance. So it, you see some of it echoed in the, or reflected in the Bollywood. Some of it, but not a very core part of it. So the core part is very, very energetic and very difficult to do also, uh, you know, at some point. So I take like around five to six classes in a week. And uh, because we have to train a class of like 10, 15 people, so we also are supposed to have the same energy every day, you know, every morning. So that requires a lot of energy. And then lifting weights was something which I have always been doing, you know, on and off. So now I've been doing it for the past six months on a bit serious note. So that again requires a lot of energy. So I don't have to run you know, five miles a day or something like that. I don't have to run a treadmill, do cycling because the Bhangra does a lot of cardio for me. See, and I think that's important to share because, 
you have found a way of working out that feels really fun to you and it's enjoyable. You're with a group, you're dancing. It probably just feels like pure joy, doesn't yes, it? Definitely, definitely. It's, it's like completely changed my life since I've been doing it. It's been, I think, four or five years that I've been doing it and, you know, using it as a form of sort of an antidepressant as well at times because I see so many people who have come to my classes and, you know, have completely changed their perspective about this dance form and, you know, otherwise being in a group even. It's been really life-changing sort of for me. Now, do you teach the classes or lead the classes? Yes, I see, usually what happens is that in every class, there are like four or five moves that I teach. Ki these are the moves that we'll be focusing on. I teach the technique. So once we get the combination together and then the rest of the time, we just have to portray that dance as heavily as we can. And you have like a regular group that comes yes. to the class. I really want to encourage everybody to find a way of moving your body that feels fun and celebratory and that you love. You know, you mentioned that you used to run. You were running. Did you enjoy the running? I couldn't. I even ran a 10K recently, but that was just because one of my friends was really enthusiastic about it, but I didn't enjoy it actually. Yeah. And so, you know, don't punish yourself, people. This is for everybody. (laughs) Don't punish yourself by doing workouts that don't feel, you know, great to your body. And I am not saying don't run. You know, if you, some people love running and if running is what makes you feel great, then you should be a runner. But Instead of thinking that's the only way that you've got to get out there and run and you hate it, find something like this wonderful dance that you can do that you love doing. Because you probably look forward to going every time. Yeah. If I don't go and see, see my groups are so energetic and so enthusiastic about it, they'll call me up. They'll come to my house. They'll pick me up. If you are not feeling, you just come there, open the studio and we'll dance. And, you know, we'll sort of make you dance. So the group in itself, we all circulate with that energy. Even if one of us is down, everybody will sort of try to cheer them up and, you know, bring them to the center. Okay, you lead this time and things like that. So it's a whole lot more than just than just cardio. It's, it sounds like. Now, is there anything that intermittent fasting has helped you with health-wise? You know, we often call intermittent fasting the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. Have you had any health positive health changes since you began intermittent fasting? See, apart from, you know, getting up with a lot of good energy and, you know, having that glow and energy on my face also, I think I've started enjoying food. That's one of the things. I don't know. I don't think that the health change per se, but I think I've started enjoying food and it's starting to, my body starting to respond to that food also differently. When I know that I just have to hurriedly eat and run to the next thing, it's very different than I know, ki, okay, this is my first meal of the day and I just have to sit and eat. Because after the fast, the first meal that I usually have, it's a big meal, you know, with combination of all the things, with, with a lot of vegetables, with a lot of non-veg, whatever that I can get, rice and sometimes that flatbread with a cup of tea. So I started enjoying that food a lot and because I'm enjoying it, I'm eating mindfully my body sort of absorbs it in a very nicer way. So my stomach feels good and I don't have troubles in the washroom since a very long time. Touch wood. (laughs) I don't want to have that. (laughs) See, I think that's an important connection that you've just made there. You said that you enjoy your food more and now you're eating mindfully. And it's because of the intermittent fasting that's allowed you to connect with that eating time. And because you're eating mindfully, you feel better. 
so earlier what used to happen was that ki okay now i have to eat something okay now i have to eat something okay now i have to eat something so i used to eat whatever that i can get okay now there's no non veg available so i'll have whatever that is in the fridge or i'll have a piece of bread with jam or something like that so now my meals are usually always planned so i'm all we all face stress in our daily lives what if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient i'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers this one of a kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium which could have a positive effect on our stress response but don't take my word for it here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal nutrients Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to byoptimizers.com/ifstories. promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase that's byoptimizers.com/ifstories promo code ifstories10 green chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients green chef sends organic fresh produce responsibly sourced proteins and chef designed recipes in every box for satisfying nourishing and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle and the food is totally window worthy Tonight we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn and cheesy tortillas and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com/ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next 2 months. That's greenchef.com/ifstories50 and don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next 2 months. already looking forward and my brain is sort of already prepared okay now i'm going to have some chicken or now i'm going to have some egg curry or something like that so my brain is already prepared and is already ready to take it in instead of just you know mindlessly just putting things in so i'm sure i i mean i haven't researched on it that much but i'm sure you know the gut microbes and things like that get activated with such thought processes and you know as soon as i eat them i know that it's going down when Yeah, I think that's important. I do think that there's a connection between what's going on in our gut and our the way we feel. You know, if I think if your gut is in good shape, there's it's like there's communication going on between the gut microbes and your body and so you know, the fasting helps to work with the positive changes we want to promote in our gut. And so you're fasting, you're eating mindfully, you're choosing foods that make you feel great, your gut is healing, and then all together I think that kind of goes along to create an overall sense of well-being. And I also love how you keep describing it as a glow. You know, you wake up and you feel like you have this glow about you because we see that in the before and after photos of people. You know, they'll share their before photo, they'll share, you know, after I've been doing intermittent fasting for a while, and there really is something different about their face, it's something about the eyes. You can really see that glow. Yes, yes. I've noticed it. I think since the first week itself, 
it was like my body was responding to it very well and that's when i sort of figured out ki okay this can be something you know that can finally help me keep that check on that weight and at the same time make me feel good about myself as well because just reducing my calories was like i was always thinking about food you know even now also if i some days if i you know try to restrict myself okay i'll not have this much to eat even though i'm not fasting today i'll not have this much which my mind goes continuously towards food so not having that pressure and that tension in your mind continuously about thinking food i think that also has a lot to do with you know your body overall feeling well because i'm into mental health as well so i feel that the mind has to always be satisfied along with your body so yeah i think that's important yeah and your mental health connection because you said that you're a music therapist who works in the field of mental health so you understand kind of the whole person yeah with the mental health instead of just you know this is a problem it's just your brain you understand how it works together holistically yes, yes. Talk about how you'd use music as part of your mental health practice. I'm, I'm so fascinated by that. So I did my degree in music from rock school in UK. So after that, I have my own music institute here. So then I started connecting with a lot of students. And I generally used to feel that I was more of a guidance counselor to them as well. And I used to feel a lot of change when they you know, started being good at music. it used to give them a lot of sense of you know greatness about themselves that they can actually do something and it was it used to be a very good emotional outlet for them as well so then i thought of you know actually studying it and then i did my masters in psychology and then i worked with a lot of mental health facilities i currently am working with one so it's sort of like a rehab facility for uh, de addiction patients and uh, that one hour or two hours whichever that i give to them is like completely for their own expression so some days we would have very loud singing sessions or some day we will have dance sessions with them or some days we will just have them listening to lyrics and you know trying to interpret them so that they can have that emotional link with those lyrics and it can help them release any of the tensions that they have in their mind so that's how i work with the mental health area and with the regular students that i have i always try to customize their learning methods so that they can feel connected to music in any way they can so for me uh, music is something you know some people are just meant to listen to music and just feel it and some people are meant to actively you know become a part of it so my focus is not only just to make them learn but actually appreciate music as well not just you know being active in it but you know silently in the back of the mind letting them you know get healed with music as well. I love that. So you said you worked at an addiction facility? Yes, I do. I currently am working. Well, you know, it definitely I can tell that music is important in your whole day because you have the yes. dancing, <laughs> you have the the music and you know, you talked about the singing, the dancing, the lyrics, how they make you feel. I think most of us can relate to that and how just hearing a song can take you back to a time and place and you know, bring up so much emotion. I see so many patients who are from very rural areas and who don't have a lot of who don't have this much psychological intellect or capacity to even you know understand their own emotions at times so sometimes they would write lyrics or poems about their life on how you know they ended up at such a place and it would just move me so much thinking that you know a person who cannot get hold of their emotions but he can sing about it or he can recite a poem about it in such a 
you know melodic manner so there are times when i've been blown away by my own patients and people that have known who have connected oh, that sounds so, like a very rewarding thing to do do you see a connection between you know the fasting and the music to the like do you experience music differently in the fasted state i guess i'm trying to say like do like a little more clarity is my question making sense <laughs> um i think it definitely has helped me in my classes so you know when i'm not thinking about food and when i know that i am happy from my stomach i am able to connect with my work otherwise in a more fresher manner rather than you know when i'm stomach full of food and thinking about what i have to eat next so whenever i'm fasting all the all the workout and all the classes happen at that time so that's the time i feel very free about it ki okay now whatever that i have to do i have to do it afterwards but right now i am free of all the bondages of food or i get it because so many of us could understand exactly what you're talking about because there was that constant thought during the day of is it time to eat am i going to eat again when's my next eating experience and when you have that that freedom you can focus on your work or just being present in the moment without the thought of that food. Now, is there anything that you struggle with now? You know, I know you've talked about how intermittent fasting has really freed your mind and helped you not struggle so much with food, but is there any part of intermittent fasting that is still a struggle for you? See, there are some days where I would have, you know, even though I'm fasted, even though I've eaten enough, I know that I've eaten enough, but I would suddenly binge on food, you know, on some days. i would have intense craving of okay i need to eat something right now and and at that time i would only crave for junk nothing healthy yeah time. we don't usually binge on that healthy stuff do we like i've never binged on carrots <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i've binged on you know like crackers or cookies but i've never never binged on you know cabbage <laughs> <laughs> so there are still those days where i feel that i i want to pinch and i you know somehow somewhere i let myself do that i don't keep a pressure on my mind that much ki okay it's going to end up on my scale tomorrow and see that's that's what the beautiful thing about fasting is even though i know that i've eaten a lot today even though i know i've not worked out today i know that i can still be in control the next day so that is why i keep coming back to this control thing because I mean I don't know if you could understand it or not but I have felt so much out of control with my weight all my life and this is the only thing that at this point in my life seems that okay now I have some control you know now I can rectify the damage what I did yesterday or you know day before that or okay if I'm drinking tonight I know that I'm going to have a very big meal I can still make up for it tomorrow because I'll get back to my routine. I think that most of us can understand that because you're 100% right the control. So, you know, even on those days when you feel a little bit out of control and you may feel that you've had a binge that day, you're still not beating yourself up. You're not, you know, putting yourself down. You're not feeling like you ruined everything because you're like, "Hey, this happened and tomorrow I'm going to be back in control." and it's okay and you're giving your body permission to have those days and then move on and have a different day so otherwise inversely what i used to do was ki i used to worry about eating you know even though i was out at a party and i was like ki okay i'm eating this what is going to happen tomorrow then i'm again going to go hungry or i'm again going to have this much weight increased on my scale and you know those are the things which don't let your mind rest 
and then that is what probably you see tomorrow you know i'll see tomorrow in the mirror of course the carbs are there i'll feel puffy but that glow will be gone so now <laughs> that glow is sort of also part of you know how i am carefree about whatever i'm eating is well. i'm not punishing myself i'm not punishing my body i'm not you know bad mouthing myself ki you know i did it again or i've lost again or you know i'm going to reach back to that weight again i'm again you know getting back in control and that's the relief that my mind also feels when i'm doing that yeah that is huge you know and even i have days where i eat a whole lot more than other days like for example yesterday I ate a whole lot more food than I normally do. And the day before that, I ate a very small amount of food because I was very stressed out. I had some tough things going on. I was really too stressed out to eat. I ate probably a very little amount of food. I just couldn't eat. And then I had a hard time sleeping. And so then yesterday I was extra hungry and I don't think I would characterize my eating as a binge, but I definitely ate a whole lot more food. but i don't feel ashamed about it or like i did the wrong thing like i understand why my body wanted to eat more food yesterday and it's okay and that's the powerful part about it is you know you said a minute ago losing the feeling that you have to punish yourself for it it's been you know so many years that going back to the same routine and going back to the same pattern okay then i've had a big meal today and tomorrow again i have to eat less again i have to control i again have to control and that thinking of controlling that diet and controlling those calories you know it plays with you matlab it doesn't let you sleep it doesn't let you rest or you would want to punish yourself in the okay, okay now you've eaten this much now you need to work extra hard today that punishing has definitely stopped even though you might be you know eating less when fasting it just doesn't feel like the same punishing control of having to white knuckle it and force yourself. That's really the difference. So someone listening who's not an intermittent faster might be puzzled. They might think I don't understand, you know, you're eating less after you eat more. That's the same thing, but it really isn't the same thing, is it? It's the mindset. How is the mindset different? Explain it to somebody who maybe not understand like that mindset between the fasting days versus when it was so hard before. when it happens to me it's basically about allowing yourself to binge also on some days and then having that in the back of your mind ki okay i am going to get back to my routine now you know falling back off track is okay but still getting back on my routine the negative judgment the self loathing and then getting back into the same spiral of thoughts that this is going to happen again to me you know this allowing yourself to binge on some days and then getting back again on track is like you are sort of allowing yourself and not letting your mind take over you know at that point it's a lot of freedom when you do it that way rather than worrying about even when you're binging you're still worrying about what you're eating so you just don't have a judgment about yourself it's taking away the negative judgment exactly so that's the power that i've been feeling for you know these these past few months and that's why i wrote to you and i even wrote an article on this where i talked about the satiety hormones and how they work and you know they help understand your brain that you don't need a lot of food and things like that so that's the probably the biggest thing that i've felt is that power and that allowing yourself to go off track and then still coming back on track so that's the biggest thing right it's all the difference in the world in what you're saying inside your own head and that's where the freedom and the change comes in that's how it's different 
uh, and it's powerful. Then, That's where the power. When is. I know that this is the time that I have to eat, and this is the only time that I have to eat, I somehow start planning my meals already, a day before only, or or in the morning. Okay, uh, twelve o'clock I'm going to have this. Three o'clock I'm going to have this. Six o'clock I'm going to have this, and then by eight I'll have a cup of tea, and that's it. But otherwise, in a regular diet, it's like, okay, this lunch time, what should I eat now? It's dinner time, what should I eat now? So it's like a lot of planning goes into it for me, at least the days that I'm fasting, and uh, I don't have to constantly think about what I have to eat, rather than because it already, you know, I already plan about it, and because it's important enough for me, I plan it in a way because it's supposed to be healthier for me, rather than it just being because I'm eating whatever that I can. That is a very great tip because I I'm the same way. If I have not planned. You know, I think back now, I pretty much I have my meals planned because I use a service called Plated, which people have heard of if they listen to the podcast. And Plated helps me plan my meals. And I know exactly what we're going to have for dinner. And Plated sent me all the ingredients. And I'm going to cook it from scratch. Like tonight, we're having a chicken soup in a creamy kind of, of a brothy kind of a base. And it's going to have carrots and leeks. And I think it has wild rice in it. And we're going to have sourdough baguette. But I already know that we're having that for dinner. And so I know it's going to be delicious and nutritious and we're going to love it. But on the days in the past, you know, when I think back before I started using plated and these other meal delivery kits, I wouldn't know what I was going to eat. So I would just start randomly eating things because I didn't have a plan. I would just randomly eat a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of something else. And it never felt satisfying. Would you say the same thing? When you plan it out and you know what you're going to have, it satisfies you differently. And it keeps you excited about food as well. I mean, you know, I'm sure we all love food here. Initially, the food, you know, when we know that we're eating anything that we can, we don't get too much excited about it. But now when I know that my meals are supposed to be planned, okay, now I'm going to have this. And, you know, it's going to be wonderful. But this is what happens in my mind. I get excited about the food. And even though they are the same meals that I used to have before, but now when I know that it's a specific time only when I'm eating, so it has a completely different image of food in my mind. Oh, I get it. I think everybody listening understands because it just feels more special. And you're not going to waste it on eating something that is not satisfying. And then there are some foods which are not worthy of breaking your fast. So now I can differentiate between those foods. Okay, now, okay, this food. We call them, they're not window worthy. <laughs> window worthy, yes. <laughs> so I, now I can finally differentiate between those foods also. And I mean, if I'll be going out with friends in the evening, they'll be like, Ye, matlab, you know, eat this or eat, we'll have this or that. But I'm like, this is, matlab, we can have this anytime. So I've had a very good meal and I'm okay. Yeah, I don't need that. I don't want it. I don't need it. It's not not something I need to have today. Maybe another day, but not this day. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 
It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors, like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream, are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings, or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are, with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target, or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Now, I know that you mentioned that you have talked to this, you know, with your mother and that your mother has started doing fasting. Do you, What about your friends? Do they know what you do? Do any of your friends how old are you? Do you mind if I ask? Uh, I, I'm not course, sure. Of course, of course. I'm 31 right now. Okay. Okay. So do you, what about your friends? What do they think? See, some of them have been following it for some time. Some of them have heard about it as well. One of my friends who's a, who trains Bhangra with me itself, she does it herself. But she does it in a more of a spiritual and a religious form rather than, you know, just being uh, sort of a lifestyle change or something. She does it whenever she can. But otherwise, I think men somehow feel differently about fasting than women. I think for men, it's about eating more and, you know, living that lifestyle in that massive manner rather than picking their food and, you know, eating in a very nutritious manner. I mean, that's probably because, you know, we Punjabis are sort of that sort of people who are very enthusiastic about food and we can have like 10 dinners if we can. Oh, I get it. I live in a part of America, the southern United States, where food is a, a very important part of our culture as well. You know, we have, you know, southern food is famous in the United States. And I actually love that the southern food is making its way around and people are celebrating our kind yeah. of food. Because it is. It's important to our culture. The, yes, it's the same here. I mean, chicken is something we are super fond of. I mean, that, that's the meat that is the easiest available here. Otherwise, people, you know, there are a lot of Indians are vegetarians as well. But still, at the same time, they don't think of stopping to eat food, you know. I mean, that's just somehow insane for them. And some of the female friends that I have, I mean, they can definitely understand. But for males, it's very difficult. So I, I don't think I've even met any person, I mean, anyone in person, any male person who has, you know, tried to do this. For females, it is still, you know, acceptable. Yeah, I think probably over time, it'll become more and more mainstream, even maybe with the males, once people realize that this is a great way to live. So we're almost out of time. So I like to end by asking, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you got started? I think I wish I knew that I can fall off the wagon and get back on it again. So for a person like me, who has always struggled with weight again, and always have that, you know, deficit in calories and that's the only way to lose weight. There are other techniques also. This is also one of them. And this can actually become a lifestyle for you. And it's not that key, you specifically just have to follow this no matter what because people have gotten great results. If it doesn't work for you, you, you're not supposed to be that hard on yourself. You can ease into it. You can do it for a couple of days in a week. You can do once a week. I mean, just ease into it. Don't let it be one of the things that you just immediately have to do and, you know, just end it 
and you know reach that goal weight and that's it you know i'm done with it this will be a lifestyle change for you and you can incorporate it on a daily basis you can incorporate you know the way i like to do it you know once or twice a week also so you can do it anyway yeah i think that's really good advice that you make it your own and you turn it into the lifestyle that works for you instead of feeling like it has to be just one way you make it work for the way it suits you just like you've done well, I have really enjoyed talking to you today and thank you. And I just, I don't know, I'm always really excited when I'm talking to someone who's international because it's just really fun. You're there in India and I'm here in Georgia in the Southern United States and we're talking about fasting. I wish I could come and join you in a dance class though. That's the part, like I would love, I feel like I would because I like that kind of movement that's fun. And, you know, I dance around my kitchen all the time while I'm making dinner and <laughs> playing the music and dancing. and It's one of my favorite things to do. I love music. So, well, thank you so much. And I look forward to sharing your story with the world. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.